I think most companies think that degenerating fashion, right, is just like defaulting to pants, jeans, baggy shit. Like, oh, we got a sweatshirt. So now, you know, it's gender neutral. And it's like, damn, this is how boring. No shade. <laughs> That's model, writer, and activist Devin Norell. We're going to hear more from Zim later. But first, here's a fact. There are more non-binary identified people in popular cultures today than perhaps ever before. Another fact, there seems to be more people in popular culture who don't identify as non-binary, but love engaging in gender non-conforming presentations, either on magazine covers or red carpets or even in their everyday lives. To me, it often feels like the responses to these facts from society dictates that we non-binary folks should be happy and content with where things are. You've got a couple handfuls of characters on TV. That's great, right? Oh my God, did you see Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue? He's so courageous. Ayo, bruh, my girl painted my nails last night. I took it off, but non-binary, right? I'm your host, Travel Anderson, and on this episode of Entertainment Weekly's Untold Stories Beyond the Binary, we've celebrated the current moment, we've taken a look at the recent and less recent past, now we get to complain. Here's the thing, and marginalized communities of all sorts should understand this. Anytime a group that hasn't traditionally been afforded the highest levels of visibility starts to gain that visibility, dominant culture wants the members of said community to be grateful. They want us to pat them on their back for their, in the grand scheme of things, minor progress. They want us to take what they've given us, keep it cute, and put it on mute. I'm reminded in this moment of a Shania Twain song that author and actress Jacob Tobio once quoted to me when I asked them about our unfolding increase in visibility. So yeah, got the brains, but have you got the touch? Now don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're all right. But that will keep me warm in the middle of the night. That don't impress me much. It don't impress me much, okay? Imagine me clapping my hands in between each word for emphasis, all right, y'all? And in addition to what's happening on our screens, this also goes for all of the sissies, this is C-I-S-C's, all right, employing what I call non-binary aesthetics in magazine spreads and on red carpets. It's cute or whatever, but don't expect me to offer unlimited adulation to people using what I embody for clout and clicks. I think I see it and view it in the same way as like, most of us or all of us do in the sense of like, great, but can we get some credit? That's artist and musician Shamir. And like, that's it. Great. Do it. Gender's a construct. But like, why is it that it's the sissies that are like getting all the credit and like getting the covers and like getting the the things mm-hmm. and the flowers when mm-hmm. we were the first ones to like really be like, we don't give a fuck. So that's it. That's how I feel about it. You know, Ye- go off. It's always interesting because I think for us as non-binary people, like, we actually want want freedom for everyone. We want everyone to be able to play a- a- as they want to. Uh, but we just don't want to get, you know, our ass beat for playing, you know? Exactly. Like, 
we don't want the erasure. And this is how erasure starts, basically. It's just the erasure of it all. And we don't want to repeat history in that way. And yeah, like, that's the thing. I think, you know, hey, when like the cis nonconformists, they're like, it's what you want. Like, why are you mad? It's like, we're not mad. Go off, do that. Paint your nails. You know what I mean? But it's just like, you're getting the claps while we're getting the kicks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and there's a reason why, because you're cis and like, there's privilege in that. I pose the same question to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina star Lachlan Watson. I wanted to know their thoughts on, say, Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue in a dress or rapper Kid Cudi who tributed Kurt Cobain in a dress on Saturday Night Live back in April. I love this question because so many people have so many different thoughts about it. It makes me so happy. I love it when trans people have opinions. It's my favorite thing in the world. Ultimately, I feel like the only way anything has ever happened in society and the the main way for something to become normalized and trendy is not the right word, but acceptable is when white men start talking about it as a thing that is okay. I mean, ultimately, we live in an, in an extremely heteronormative white cis guy forward space. So part of me is like, thank God they're finally doing the work. Like, because ultimately, I, I get asked like by allies and by all of my like straight white guy friends, where they're like, well, what can we do? Well, what? Well, what can we do then? You know, what? Well, what are we supposed to do? And it's like, uh, wear a dress, paint your nails. Sure. Because they currently, unfortunately, have so much power and control that it will be those moments where the ones in control start handing the mic and start normalizing things and stop killing us. Like that is when the things will start to change. Unfortunately, I mean, there are currently three political house bills that are being pushed through in North Carolina that are trying to make it a felony for medical practitioners to give healthcare to trans youth. (laughs) And you know who that's being written by? Straight cis white guys who've never met a trans person. And ultimately, those bills would not be happening if those same people were educating themselves or were handing the mic or were taking that responsibility to do their job and better the world for everyone else. So part of me is like, you know what? good for them. Because unfortunately, that is when it starts becoming easier for the rest of us is when the white guys start doing it. It's just like with me being in a position being an AFAB skinny white non-binary person, like that's all great and good. But what am I doing with that? Like, am I uplifting other people? Like, am I opening those doors? And that's what I'm expecting from these white guys and etc. is Yes, you can do this, but it's the acknowledging of where it comes from and it's the uplifting of those voices that actually needs to be done. But unfortunately, that's the easiest way to go is the white guys need to start doing it. Like the white guys need to start start watching the podcasts and, and doing the work. And then, you know, a lot of change will happen. And would I love it if that wasn't the case? Totally. But there's a lot of power there. And with Great power comes great responsibility, and y'all have been irresponsible for far too goddamn long. Now, there's definitely some truth to what Lachlan's saying, that with how our society is currently organized, cis people, white people, men have power and privilege that could be harnessed for more than just great engagement for a publication or thousands of likes on Instagram. My hope is that those men that you mentioned are doing it because it feels right 
for their gender and not because they know that it will get them headlines. Because if they're doing it because it feels right and good for them, then I'm actually stoked that that is a space that we're creating. Tuck Woodstock, host of the podcast Gender Reveal and a consultant that all of y'all should hire to help you and your companies be less transphobic toward non-binary and trans people. But we also know that that will get them a lot of attention and headlines like, oh my gosh, Harry Styles in a dress. Oh my gosh, Kid Cudi in a dress. Those were like literal articles. And so I think it's just this sort of tentative hope that we can one day move towards a space where men are able to wear those things without it making headlines. But as long as it is making headlines, I think I'm a little bit skeptical. That's the thing is I would feel differently about this behavior if it was somehow helping our friends not get hate crimed when they wear the same thing on the street, right? And that is my hope is that we eventually somehow get there from here. But as long as we're not getting there from here, it does feel like you said, a bit performative to only do that uh, when there's a lot of attention being paid to you. This is what hosts of HBO Max's We're Here and RuPaul's Drag Race winner Bob the Drag Queen had to say. I think it's a positive thing. And I think that we need to, I would personally like to make it clear that I don't think that painting your nails or if you're if you're AFAB and you're wearing pants or if you're AMAB and you're wearing dresses, I am not a um, sociologist. I don't know. I've not studied, studied I'm not into... Um, the study of societies and, and all those things. So I can't quite tell you where dresses came from, where hills came from. I'm sure there's some historian out there who can tell you exactly where hills came from and where they're going and, you know, what's going on with that. But if you can just really allow yourself to consider that gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, pronouns are completely nonlinear for some people then they're completely parallel. Then you can really open your life. When you think about the fact that Prince, to my knowledge, Prince did not identify as non-binary, but Prince's gender expression was very interesting. Mm -hmm. There were heels, there were wigs, there were thongs, there were suits, there was velvet, there were boots, there were pants. There was a lot going on. Dennis Rodman is another person who- Oh, yeah. I don't know what his gender expression is, but I'm, as far as I know, he uses he and pronouns, and he has a very interesting gender expression. You know what I mean? I think that people think that if you are non-binary, you have to dress that way, or if you're. But also think about cis people. Mm-hmm. You know, no one question like if a stud dresses up in men's clothes every day, and she says she's a woman, no one questions her gender identity. Yeah, she just like she's a woman because they're you because they're used to that. That mm-hmm. is that is something that we've, we've had enough experience with that we're like, oh, yeah, that's familiar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But someone dressing up like a non-binary person, being cis, het, and then being like, oh, I just like wearing dresses. People in their head, they're like, there's got to be something else going on. Mm-hmm. Or they might be like, I, or they just realize that, you know, when you shop outside of your designated zone at Target, you can find some pretty cool stuff. This reminds me of a lot of the, like, social media conversation around, I don't know the guy's name, but it's this, like, old white guy who, you know, puts on a pencil skirt and heels to go to work. The British guy, yeah. Yeah. He's British. If I'm not mistaken, he doesn't identify as part of the community or anything like that. He's just like, I like these shoes. And I think that having these cis-head people come out and do these things is actually going to be able to help other cis-head people see 
like what that means, like what it actually means, that that is not some perversion, that it's not a, you know, left agenda. I think that it could really help a lot of people out, actually, especially when someone really prominent, someone like Andre 3000 does, like when Andre 3000 dresses up in these interesting clothes, but they're like, well, we, we, we love and respect him as one of us. I know that the sort of political answer is for me to say, oh, well, like, it's annoying that they're able to hold our aesthetic without holding the lived experience of navigating the world on a day-to-day level as a trans femme, right? Like that there is something, there's a difference between lived non-binary and red carpet non-binary, right? Author Jacob Tobaya coming through to shake the table a little bit. You're not going to get assaulted for wearing a dress on a red carpet. You might get assaulted for wearing a dress IRL, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't feel, Mm -hmm. have to feel unsafe because there's literally security guards because there are like a million people wearing a gajillion diamonds, right? Like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're in a space where like Tiffany is like loaning out like a $3 million, $12 million necklace. So like, yeah, no one's going to be able to easily, I mean, someone could try, but no one's gonna be able to easily hurt you or harm you when you're, or when you're on set for a shoot for Louis Vuitton, right? Or you're on, on set for a Vogue shoot, right? Like it's easy to be, it's easy to be femme in those spaces. And, and I know that I should be like, it's annoying that those folks don't use language to politicize their gender in the way that I would like in the way to feel more aligned with what we're trying to build in a day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just can't bring myself to feel that authentically because honestly, I, I look, I, you know, I look at Billy on a red carpet, which also with Billy Porter, I'm like, are you sis though? Like, really? Like, like, I mean, I'm not trying to prescribe your identity, but just like that confuses me. Like that disorients me a little bit. Like when if Harry Styles is like, I'm a cis guy, I'm like, what? Like, I mean, I respect you. I respect self-identification, but I don't understand how you conceptualize of yourself as cis. Like, why would you choose the boring option when you so clearly are not? You know what I mean? Like your gender expression is not cis, darling. So like if your identity is not, that's fine. There's a difference between gender identity and gender expression. But like, I get kind of confused and a little like, like, I don't, it makes my brain hurt. Cause I'm like, you're, but you're kind but functionally you're like GNC and non-binary. Like what, like what? Like, huh? Okay. <laughs> but we're much more similar than we are different. And like, it's annoying that you're going to put up the wall of cis to Very sort of bad. separate yourself from me because like, we're really similar and should raid each other's closets and like have fun and look cute together. Yes. Right. I mean, I'm not like fancy or rich enough to look cute with you or alongside you. I don't have enough established value within the industry to like ever be alongside you, but like maybe one day. Um, But like, so there's that way. But then, but then above all of that, above all of that, like when I see, when I saw the shoot with Harry in a dress for Vogue, right? Looking sublime in a field, right? Mm -hmm. When I saw Billy at any red carpet he's done in the last like, gajillion i mean any of them just like living his best life feeling so free feeling so joyous right when i see Jaden in a skirt like twirling for an uh, for a campaign and feeling fierce and beautiful and 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 punk and interesting right when i see people celebrating and luxuriating and femininity and and in 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 a trans feminine way even if they don't share the language with me i am just still really happy like i just it makes it brings me joy I love watching people be happy in that way because I also know that ultimately like we are, we are chipping away from opposite sides toward the same thing, which is like, which is gender self-expression, which is, which is gender self-determination and a world filled with it. And so, you know, 
to me, the sort of nitpicking of like, how do they identify? And do they do this on the daily or whatever feels like it feels it feels like I know it is politically important and analytically important, right? And certainly academically, it is interesting and worth discussing. And there are people who have different opinions in this. And I respect those opinions. But to me, it's like, I don't think I can hold resentment around that because I want to focus on the joy that they're bringing. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more untold stories beyond the binary. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back. One of the aspects of this conversation that we've basically been talking around with everyone you've heard thus far is the point about how fashion, the clothes we wear, the shoes we pump in, the cosmetics we enjoy in ways we've been told we're not supposed to, how all of this factors into our gender identities and expressions, and particularly other folks' understanding and interpretations of our identities and expressions. You all should go grab a copy of Alok's book aptly titled Beyond the Gender Binary. In it, they talk about what they perceive as a gap between representation and the reality of our lives. I asked them to explain a little bit more about that. It's a really difficult situation, and that's an underestimation of the word, to be a a gender nonconforming person today because people's fictions that they tell about us are more real than our actual lives. So the tropes, the things that people say about us, are valued more than not just what we say about ourselves, but our actual lives, which in Hollywood, of course, will look like people who don't share our genders playing our identities. But I want to use that as a larger metaphor for non-binary life. It's people, other people's words, other people's interpretations. And if we really want to be clear, other people's projections, other people's anxieties that circulate as the summation of my existence. Because that's how dehumanization against our community works. We're not allowed to exist. So we are just a discourse, an idea, a conversation, a metaphor, a prop, a joke, a proxy, never actually a fully fleshed out human being. And that's even the case, unfortunately, within trans community, where we're still seen as some sort of perverse joke meant to hold people back and embarrassment. I'm not, I'm not actually interested in my worth being incumbent on your projection, anxiety, and insecurity. I've got a lot of other things to do with my time, a lot of other interests and takes. And so what I'm trying to, I think, do in my career and what I'm trying to do with media is to not even try to lessen the gap because to lessen the gap would be to legitimize institutions and ways of thinking that would rather I not be there. And 
what I'm actually trying to do is just to live my best and our best non-binary and gender non-conforming lives and to live them so well that people can't help but come to us. So the move then for me doesn't become about knocking on the door of mainstream representation saying, please include me, but rather please shift how basic your agenda was that you couldn't even see us even though we were alongside you all along. And then I think one final point I really want to make also that I, I want to speak to you, especially with Pride coming up, is this conversation also frustrates me because our genius, our technological innovations, our ideas, our aesthetics, our beauty built contemporary entertainment, beauty and fashion industries. So I've been so excited about the rise of La Roche, the amazing black queer stylist of Zendaya, all these other folks who just got acknowledged as stylist of the year by Hollywood Reporter. And that felt like a really important moment because for so long, particularly black gender nonconforming sensibility, aesthetic sensibility made contemporary Hollywood glamour. It's just that you'd never see those bodies, right? And to actually have La in a Valentino gown being recognized for their genius and their talent, I want more of that energy, right? So it's not that we're new. It's just that oftentimes our labor and our aesthetics make it, but not our bodies, which are seen as not palatable enough. Toni Morrison has this quote that I'm reminded of here that I recently rediscovered reading Akweke Amezi's new memoir, Dear Synthurin. You all should go buy that as well. Go support a Black trans author. Amen. Okay. I stood at the border, stood at the edge, and claimed it as central. Claimed it as central. And let the rest of the world move over to where I was. That is what I think of reflecting on Alok's words. But to go a little deeper on the fashion of it all, I called up model, writer, and activist Devin Norell. Like Alok, much of Zier's work is centered on degendering fashion. I think most companies think that degendering fashion, right, is just like defaulting to pants, jeans, baggy shit. Like, oh, we got a sweatshirt. So now, you know, it's gender neutral. And it's like, damn, this is hella boring. No shade. <laughs> All facts, okay? All facts. <laughs> no shade. And uh, I remember specifically critiquing Abercrombie & Fitch when they came out with a, a children's gender neutral line. And the first thing that popped out to me was the fact that they did not have any skirts. And I was just kind of like taken aback because it's, it's like, all right, so masks and stuff is... Masculine items are are gender neutral, but quote unquote feminine stuff is not. What what are we doing here? What are we saying? What are we really saying? Um, and so I know that they came out with another line like literally last week. I haven't looked at it. I think I just from past experience, I didn't want to look at it. But maybe I'll just Google it right now. But <laughs> um, yo, we need to. I mean, Chromat does an excellent job of this, and I think other brands are starting to pick up on it. But uh, we we need to think about the fact that there is that any piece of garment can be can be gender neutral regardless if it's a plaid shirt or a plaid skirt. Um, and so, uh, a I don't think that people are again grasping onto this concept that the feminine can be 
gender neutral. I think there's so much scrutiny about about what is feminine or a lot of critique and a lot of eyes on feminine people, feminine bodies and feminine clothing. So much so, so that it is policed so heavily and kind of kept out of this category of what gender neutral is. Um, and I just really hope that changes. I think um, in some ways it's slowly, I think, <laughs> this is going to be controversial. I think in some ways, <laughs> oh goodness, I think in some ways some brands are thinking, you know, we put a trans woman in a dress, we did it. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. wait, <laughs> no, you haven't <laughs> one because when you what you're actually saying is a trans woman is just a man now in a dress, and that isn't it. You're either saying that, or or we have to think about the fact that a trans woman, or a lot of trans women, are binary, and so putting a trans woman in a dress is something that she would already do. You know, that's not really kind. Of, that's not really bending uh, the spectrum there. And so <laughs> there's so many friends that do. I'm not gonna call anybody out, but um, we know who they are. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just funny to me because it, it's happening even recently, and I'm like, what year are we in? It's 2021. Do better. This makes me think about though, right? The ways in which we've seen a lot of cis men in particular mm-hmm. who write get you know they're on a magazine cover in a dress or they're on a red carpet in a dress or you know they're Jaden Smith and they you know are the face of a quote unquote women's wear line and the ways in which those types of folks kind of get celebrated and applauded mm-hmm. for this quote unquote boundary pushing this you know uh, uh playing with fashion playing with gender um whereas those of us who are non-binary gender fluid androgynous etc mm-hmm. uh you know getting the shit kicked out of us and, you know, to be quite honest, I wonder what you think about uh, and what comes to mind for you when you see those instances popping up in culture. I mean, I could do without it, <laughs> to be frank. Um, I think that we could do more. Uh, I mean, it's mm-hmm. obvious that we can do more. Um, it is similar to. Was it ha- not? Ha- I'm not specifically thinking of the Vogue's most recent cover of Harry Styles, but. Uh, I think there were two women on a Vogue cover recently or on their Instagram, maybe within the past two or three years. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they had boyfriend jeans, you know, and it's like, we're pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And of course, it's like, this one is like, what? How is this creative? And how, what boundaries are you actually pushing? Up? <laughs> also, boyfriend jeans have been around Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an Anwin tour of fashion. So I can't, I don't have any, any authority there, but I can tell you that this is not it. <laughs> But here's the thing, though, right? You, the there are these folks who um, have have been gifted the responsibility of telling us what is fashion, what is fashionable, and what is boundary pushing. When we know of plenty of folks who are who are seriously pushing boundaries, mm-hmm. quote unquote, pushing boundaries in our everyday lives, and some sometimes these you know fashion spreads aren't doing what they think they're doing. Right. I mean, it's making it more... I'm going to say this. I guess it's making it more acceptable for cis people to 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 breach the status quo, to breach what gender means for them. But 
it it only makes it okay for cis people to do that. Um, it's not mm. we're we're not one we're not getting any accolades for it, and oftentimes we're just being violently or physically or mentally attacked for it. Um, and mm-hmm. so I don't understand why we can't put. I mean, Vogue has power in itself already, where you don't have to put a superstar on the cover to make a difference or to mm-hmm. go viral or whatever it is that the term that is that exists these days right you can mm-hmm. go put some unknown non-binary person on your cover and say we're ungendering fashion and that and in of, in and of itself is a statement for every single person both the non-binary person on the on the cover the non-binary community and the cis community because it's like oh you know i don't really know how to read this person but i, I kind of feel some of the some of the gendering that's happening here, I kind of identify with this. All right, let me explore. I get the influence that Harry has, that Jaden has, but mm-hmm. Vogue in and of itself is the influencer. You can make a statement without having to use other people with in positions of power or with the privilege of being able to walk around how they see fit because they have the money to do so. They have the safety of their house, their humongous mansions to do so. Because when you think about it, like trans people are often, we are out on the street because either we don't have housing or because we have to find ways to pay for our housing. So we have to go outside Mm -hmm. and there's nothing to protect us from that. Right. It's like if you're a Jaden or Harry, yeah, you have to go outside to work too, but you're probably being whisked there in a limousine. We don't have that privilege. We have to take trains where it could be dangerous for us because if you are someone that's perceived as masked and wearing a dress or makeup, you're going to be verbally abused or possibly physically abused. And so we don't have that privilege. So it's a more powerful statement when you take someone who's living authentically and truthfully in themselves, regardless of all of the physical and and mental threats surrounding them and put them on your cover and say, this is what the non-binary community looks like. And this is what engendering fashion looks like. We both can do so much more Outside of the fashion world, having more instances of non-binary characters on television has been cute. I'll give it a couple golf claps, you know. I truly do enjoy, for example, being able to turn on my TV and see the character Uncle Clifford doing her damn thing on P-Valley. <laughs> now look, I already let you work week without getting paperwork started, but I'm gonna need to see ID now. I prefer to be paid on the table like my tag. Bitch, do I look like Wesley Snipes to you? I don't know how she did that shit, but Marte got them papers straight, okay? <laughs> Rule number 54, we don't do tax invasion. Everybody walk up in here in a Pentagon track, even the ones with felonies. Oh, since when does a brothel need paperwork on his horse? Ooh, nah, 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 nah. Rule number 67, contrary to Chuck Lee's belief, ain't no hoes in this house. So Mercedes and Keyshawn just twerk up in the Paradise Room then, huh? Only girls been here, Mississippi men know what really going up in that room right there. <laughs> and with no ID, your ass ain't gonna last here another second. Uncle Clifford, please. Do what you gotta do, boo. But if you wanna twerk it up in here tomorrow, I'ma need to see some ID. Okay, Summer's Eve? I also love the rise in opportunity that Asia Kate Dillon, who's credited with having their role on Billions, which they began in 2017, be the first non-binary main character on North American television has experienced. Here's a clip of them from a BTS featurette from the show from a few years ago. When I saw the breakdown for the character, 
I felt like, oh my gosh, there I am. There I am, there Asia is. Here is language to describe something about me that I've actually never quite been able to put together. I don't know if you can understand me being the way I am. When I first read the script, I wept. Not only because it was me, but because a character has never said that on television before. At the same time, I refuse to take what ultimately are crumbs and call it a five-course meal. It's barely an epitizer. I like saying appetizer, epitizer, all right? Leave me alone. Especially when you zoom out and analyze the entire television landscape. And now streaming as well. And guess what? I like to eat, all right? I often borrow a quote from actress Jen Richards. I interviewed her back in 2015 about trans representation on screen at the time. And she asserted that we were still in the Sydney Portier phase of trans representation. That's a phase where the on-screen representations of the community must still be unassailable so that more doors and opportunities come after it. I spoke with Noelle Stevenson, creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the Netflix animated series She-Ra and the Princess of Power, about feedback they've received on their show regarding the character Double Trouble, voiced by Jacob Tobiah. I think, and, and this came up with Double Trouble, and I think it's a very valid criticism and conversation. We're so relatively early on with non-binary representation that I think that microtrends, when they show up, can be really, really apparent. So the fact that Double Trouble was non-human was a sticking point for a lot of people, which I really get, because I think the way that we've seen these stories told is, you know, here is a robot, here is an alien, here is someone who doesn't have our idea of what gender is, and that must make them non-binary. Um, and then on the other hand, there's also some pushback to the fact that they're a villain. And I think that also has a history where we've been seeing gender fluid villains or villains who have a performance of gender that is like, it's, it's, it's telegraphed as something that is dangerous about them. And I think that that has also honestly, like most of the gay and non-binary people that I know connected to villains so much because of that. But now we're dealing with, okay, well, are we also telegraphing? that gender non-conforming people are evil by having them be morally ambiguous or, or on the set of the villains. What frustrates me about the conversation is, again, this is happening because there are so relatively few non-binary characters. If we had a hundred of them, it wouldn't matter how many of them were villains as long as there was also a good, you know, representation of, you know, heroes and heroic characters. And it's something that is just, it's really difficult for any one property, one any one piece of media to carry that entire conversation. it I think it is, I mean, like there's something, you know, let's say like Pose, which nearly every single character is trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming. And I think we're starting to see more and more of that. But I think that the part that frustrates me is the need to sort of create a character that's a little smoothed over or uh, not as, I don't know, just like, the need to be perfect representation that leads to the character not being as complicated, as conflicted, as interesting, as strange, as messy. And those are my favorite types of characters to, to create. And so like She-Ra, all of my favorite characters are like, you know, like one of my favorite things about the original She-Ra was how funny and cool and great the villains were. I think that they've always been kind of the dual protagonists of this property. And so like to be like, I love the villains. I always have. Um, and, and just like wanting to tell these 
stories with them and create these complicated characters. And I think that it's just, it's a frustration that is nobody's fault. It's completely understandable why people, why we're having this conversation right now and why some people are kind of chafing at seeing the same types of characters, you know, multiple times over. Um, but I hope that we get to the place where we are able to have these characters and all of their flawed, messy glory and no one character has to carry the entire weight of of non-binary or trans or gender non-conforming identity and representation. I think that sometimes representation can be, I don't know, I understand why it happens, but I hope that we can get to a place where it's just there are so many of them that it becomes a little bit of a moot point. And all of this, for clarity's sake, is connected to the role of non-non-binary people when it comes to storytelling with non-binary characters. Members of our community are concerned about the types of characters we see on screen because we know that, one, non-non-binary people are learning about us through these films and shows, and two, we are learning about ourselves, too. This then requires that folks who consider themselves to be allies of specifically non-binary folks, but also other LGBTQ people as well, to make room for the vastness of non-binary experiences, especially in Hollywood. Actor Bex Taylor-Kloss. I've seen it in a lot of scripts where it looks like production has taken a she-her pronoun and just slapped on a they-them and we're like, it'll be fine. But it's not quite fine because, again, non-binary people can come in all shapes and sizes. Non-binary people can be hyper femme. They can be hyper masked. They can be nowhere in the middle or everywhere. And that still doesn't, you know, make it okay to take a super cis-coded character and just go, I'm going to change the pronouns and have it be fine. You know? Right. To me, it feels like taking a Nicole Kidman character and casting a 12-year-old black boy. <laughs> it's just like the words coming out of this actor's mouth don't quite match and it's not any fault of the actor it's just there's something like you're putting a square peg in a round hole or something mm -hmm. it's like that's just that wasn't the design and you can tell if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah i think it definitely does i one of the things i often say is that a lot of the issues even with some of the, you know, non-binary characters that we even have on TV now is like, it's a feeling ultimately. It's like, would, would a character that is non-binary say what, what the character just said that way? Not maybe, but also, eh. it's It's whenever non-binary people use excessively gendered phrasing and excessively gendered commentary. And I'm like, 98% of the non-binary people I know use gender-neutral words as often as possible until mm -hmm. told specific pronouns or specific identities. And so, I don't know what it is, but for example, just like a non-binary character who calls everything he, or everyone he, is just like, no, but this character doesn't know the gender of the person they're referencing just use they. Mm -hmm. This exists for, it's existed since Shakespeare, since before. <laughs> the singular they, we know how to use it. And a non-binary person might know how to use it really, really well. So it, it goes back to me to having a consultant mm -hmm. on staff who's not an actor. Because the actors get distracted, we get distracted by our own bullshit. 
So having mm-hmm. a consultant on board to actually like watch the scripts and watch everything before it gets to the actors to be like, hey, um, not sure this person would talk like this. Don't know if your actor's going to be able to feel this thing sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Just We've hit the point in our world where it's time to have disability officers, diversity officers, and various consultants on every set. That's my philosophy, at least. Us all being non-binary is a gift to the world, just like being trans. It is in how we look at life and love and identity and beyond that one will find what liberation and freedom truly looks like. We are the key to building a future better than our present. I think that it is degendering the Oscars. I think it is gender neutralizing public spaces. I think that it is not questioning a little boy when he wants a Barbie doll and him not feeling weird about asking for it. That all seems pretty on point to me. More from Bob the Drag Queen to come next week on our fourth and final episode of Untold Stories Beyond the Binary. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get Slayworthy audio because I've got a special surprise interview that you don't want to miss, all right? For more Pride content, head over to EW.com slash Pride and make sure you're following them at Entertainment Weekly on Instagram and at EW on Twitter. And you can catch me on Twitter at Travel Anderson or Instagram at Rayjean, R-A-Y-Z-H-O-N. Keep it fabulous and slay on. Hold up. 